Hello, listeners, and welcome to COVID Coffee Chats at UCalgary, a podcast brought to you by the Taylor Institute for Teaching and Learning. My name is Maya Anderson, and I'll be your host for this podcast. I'm a grad student in the Workland School of Education, and I'm interested in finding out more about teaching and learning during COVID-19. I feel like we all have incredible stories and insights about how this pandemic has changed our lives and how it's changed the way we teach and the way we learn. So each episode, I'll chat with a UCalgarian and get their take on what teaching and learning has been like during COVID-19. And perhaps if we share these stories, we can learn a thing or two. So pour yourself a cup of coffee and enjoy the show. Today, I have with me Dr. Ron Hugo, Professor and Chair in Engineering Education Innovation at the Schulich School of Engineering. Hi, Maya. Hi, Ron. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for meeting with me this afternoon. Oh, yeah. No, it's my pleasure. Could you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do here at UCalgary? I'm a professor of mechanical engineering uh, in the Department of Mechanical and Manufacturing Engineering. And I've been at the University of Calgary since 1999. And uh, I have been uh, teaching courses in in the areas of heat transfer, fluid mechanics, and thermodynamics uh, since since coming to the university. Uh, My research area is is primarily in in fluid mechanics, but I've been doing work with pipeline engineering because uh, fluid flows through pipes, so it's kind of a natural fit. And, and, And so that tends to be the area of research activity that I engage in. Excellent. Uh, So with this project, we're interested in finding more about teaching and learning through COVID. So how has, how have things been going for you? They, they've been interesting. Uh, it, it, it's been, uh, you know, obviously not, not having the ability to have contact with the students uh, other than having digital contact has, has been very odd. Uh, And, and I, I think as, professors, we, we do like to go into the classroom and, and engage with the students as, as we're in the classroom. And, and, and you don't have the opportunity to do that. Uh, even though we have the Zoom lectures, you're, you're looking at a lot of names and, and you don't get to see the faces, which isn't always you know, the, the best for amazing or, or for engagements, I should say. Um, one thing that was interesting, though, is I, I did adapt the laboratories in the course that I'm teaching uh, to give the students uh, what I call at-home lab kits or laboratory learning kits. And, and so these experiments, there, there are 217 students in my class and each student has a kit. And, and, and so the, the, the labs were due just this week. The first experiment was due on Monday, Monday at midnight. And I've been corresponding with so many students about the labs and how to conduct the labs and, and doing the write-up. And, but all I see is an email name when, when I'm corresponding and, and so it was very odd when I went into the tutorial on Tuesday and, and I see all the names pop up at the top of the Zoom screen and I knew the students, but not really. The, my, my only way of knowing the students was with the names and, uh, you know, because I've been corresponding with many of them, you know, multiple emails back and forth, back and forth. So you, you kind of get to know the students just based on the email interaction. So that, that was a really, uh, you know, a different experience that uh, I, I've never really had before, but it was, was kind of nice. 
Mm -hmm. So connecting with students, is that a challenge for you or how have you kind of managed to, to still stay connected with them? Well, I, I mean, my, my lectures are, are asynchronous. So they're recorded and the students can watch them at their own pace. And, and I did that a number of years ago. And, uh, but, but I, I still do have office hours where, where students could come to the office. Not many do. Uh, it, it's actually, uh, although when, when I, I had office hours face to face, not many would come either, uh, unless it was right before the exam. Uh, but I, I do have the tutorials uh, that, that I was just describing. And, and that, that's a place where there, there is a little bit of interaction. It, it tends to be through the, the, the chat window. Um, I, I know perhaps, uh, and, and I actually recognize some of the images that they'll use in their Zoom session, and as you, you get to kind of recognize that and, and the individual personalities, but uh, yeah, that, that's one part that is, is certainly missing, is, is being able to, you know, know the, the students, uh, because having, you know, the, the personal interactions with them in lecture, or, you know, e even if I run into these students in, in the hallway, they'll know me because they've seen my face, but I, I won't know them. And, and, and so that be kind of, uh, you know, a weird thing in the future when we eventually do return to the face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I bet. So uh, you mentioned the, the lab kits that you created and you sent me a great picture of them. Can you maybe talk a little bit more about how you went about designing those? That, that that was an interesting process. Actually, it, it was a uh, kind of a evolution from, I, I taught the same course in winter 2020, so in, in the winter semester. And for the final exam, uh, we were asked to give them more open-ended questions. So for the final exam in winter 2020, what I did is uh, I recorded an experiment and I, I posted the video of the experiment onto YouTube. And, and it was really, for me, I, I found it quite interesting in terms of the results. I don't know if the students found it as interesting, but I, I found it interesting. But uh, it was that experience that I started to wonder, well, what else could we do with this? And Throughout the summer, I, I was basically performing experiments. I would wake up at six in the morning when it was quiet and, and I would conduct the heat transfer experiment. And, and the, these would take about three hours to conduct. And that's why I do it early in the morning. But it could be as simple as taking, you know, a Keurig K-cup and, and putting it, uh, filling it with water. Uh, you have to seal it, obviously, but you fill it with water. You put it in the, the freezer overnight. It freezes, you bring it back out. And, and you use a little infrared sensor to measure the temperature as it warms up. And, and you look at how that temperature changes with time. And, and that would then give an ability to uh, analyze one, one of the topics in the course, which is convective heat transfer. Um, so I, I spent the summer doing these experiments and, and then they started to get a little bit more involved. And, and, and that, that's when the idea came about, well, maybe you know, I, I could give the students kits for the, the fall semester. Um, and, and so that was kind of the process that led to the development. Uh, I, I had many, many failed experiments. I, I think I conducted, I counted probably 56 experiments uh, throughout the summer. Many of those were, they, they were failures, not, not in terms of a failed experiment in terms of conducting it, but it was a little bit too complex for the theory that the students would be equipped with in the course. And so I knew it, it would lead to confusion for the students. So it was a matter of trying to identify experiments that were simple enough, um, could be built, you know, with, with not a high expense. Um, 
and, and would also reinforce the uh, topics that I would be covering in the course. And, and so that was the process that, that led to the kits. So it sounds like lots of design and redesign. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There, there were a lot of experiments that, you know, they, they wouldn't turn out the way that I wanted them to. Uh, and and it, for me, it was really quite interesting because it was reinforcing my knowledge in the, the, the course that I was teaching. And, and it forced me to do a deep dive on, on a few of the, uh, the, the, the topics. I, I would go and I would, you know, get the uh, journal articles that were written. I actually pulled Isaac Newton's paper from 1701, uh, where, where he was, because in heat transfer, we have a thing called Newton's law of cooling. And, and I never knew why it was Newton's law of cooling. I mean, Newton, I guess he did something, but I pulled the paper, it was written in Latin. And, and it, luckily I found a translation to English, uh, but I, I struggled with Latin for a while trying to, to figure out all of the different aspects there. But it was, that to me was also very interesting. L looking at their understanding of, of thermal energy and heat transfer in the early 1700s. And, and some of that I, I've tried to flow over into the lab manuals that, that I've been developing uh, for the students. So anyways, uh, yeah, so the, the, the learning for me has, has been quite enjoyable. There was one experiment uh, uh, looking at uh, heat transfer for flow inside of a pipe. And, and so for that one, uh, they, they, they take water out of the kitchen tap and, and it flows through a pipe that is in a bed of ice. And, and so the external condition on this copper pipe is zero degrees Celsius. And, and for that one, I, I was getting results that didn't quite agree with the correlations that are in the textbook. And, and, and so I, I did more digging and I found that there was a journal article published just a couple of years ago uh, where, where people were investigating uh, the, the conditions that, that I had in the experiment. And, and all of a sudden the, the data made perfect sense. And, and so that was really nice. And, and so the, the manual for that one will have reference to that paper. And then the students can go and download that journal article and they can compare their data to the, the, the data that you know, they'll be collecting in their experiments. So things like that have been you know, quite rewarding. Uh, and and I, I hope the, the, the students, I mean, some students will you know, appreciate that. And I, I think they'll enjoy uh, being able to look at a journal and, and compare data that they're doing with this really inexpensive kit you know, by their kitchen sink to, to you know, publish data. Well, that's really neat. You've kind of added depth to it. Yeah, and, and the, the other thing that I've tried to do, I, mean, I mentioned Newton, but, but it's also bringing in history of, of other individuals who have contributed to the field. Uh, there was another fellow, they're, they're, they're going to, well, actually they're, they're doing the experiment right now uh, on Fourier's law. And, and that's another one of the laws that we have in heat transfer. And, and, and so I, I did a little bit of digging in the history of Joseph Fourier and, and, and that one is, is also a very interesting story. So what, what it has enabled is the integration of the history of heat transfer into the course that didn't exist before. And, and, and I, I think it's important for students to understand that, you know, when, when we have these equations that we're using, they, they didn't just come about in like a week or two weeks or like people struggled with them. 
And, you know, it, it took a great amount of, of time, years in many cases, uh, to, to come to the realization and, and develop the theories that we're using. So uh, I, 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 I do hope that the historical component, in addition to the hands-on learning component, helps them develop a, a more holistic picture uh, for the subject that they're learning about. Absolutely. That sounds great. So what are you hoping that you'll kind of carry that on when we eventually move back into the face-to-face world? I would like to. Uh, we, we have, I, I think I have 220 kits that have been developed now. I, when I, I come back and teach the course, assuming I'm assigned it again next year, I'll have about 270 students. So I, I need to build another 50 kits. Um, but I, I would like to uh, try the, the kit approach again. And, and the, 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 the value of the kits are that uh, the, the students can be performing the experiment synchronized with when we're covering the material in the course. Uh, when, when I was teaching the course prior, we only had four pieces of equipment. And, and when you have, you know, a hundred or students in your course, sometimes a student will be doing an experiment that covers the theory that isn't covered until the last week of the course. And they're doing this in the second week of the course. That, that does not lend to you know, learning and, and, and it's really not, not the ideal way to do it. With the kits, I, that, that problem completely goes away. So I, I would like to repeat the, this process and, and, and see how it evolves. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping to be able to do that. Excellent. Um, so um, in terms of, of how this has all gone, what would you say are the biggest challenges that you faced? Hmm. Uh, well, there, there have been a number. Uh, <laughs> the distribution, because not all the students are in Calgary. And, and so distribution within Canada was simple. The Canada Post was wonderful. Uh, you know, they delivered within about two or three days. Distribution around the world, however, takes a little bit longer. And, and I, I, I still have students in one country rejected it. Uh, they, they wouldn't deliver it to an individual. And so that's now coming back. Uh, there are other students in, in other countries that they, 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 one has received, but the other two haven't. I have three students in one country. And, and, and dealing with um, customs in different countries has been quite the learning experience. Uh, you know, you have to itemize country of origin for every individual component uh, down to Ziploc bags. There's oh actually goodness. a Ziploc bag in the kit. Where, where was that made? What is the value of the Ziploc bag? Uh, wow. you, you know, things, things that are outrageous like that. And, and uh, so anyway, that, that was probably one of the most frustrating parts. Um, other than that, it, it's kind of been a little bit of a labor of love, I, I guess you could say, uh, you know, kind of fun developing this and, and, you know, hoping that the, the students mm-hmm. enjoy it as much as I think I have. Uh, so that, that would probably be the biggest challenge has been distribution. So uh, in terms of the flip side of that, what would you say are the biggest successes with teaching and learning through COVID? It, it's kind of focused our interaction with students to be kind of a very... It, it, it's through just a single channel and, and that is, you know, email communication or, or office minutes and things like that. Uh, I, I think that, that the students are, you know, they're, they're at home and, and hopefully they're more focused. 
and be, because they ideally should have fewer distractions uh you know don't have to commute because some of our students live quite far away from calgary center and I, you know, I'd hear stories about students commuting an hour or an hour and 15 minutes, like if they live in Okotoks or something like that. So that, that part I think has, has been a positive. Um, the, yeah, I, I think with that, the, the, the fact that the lecture material is online and it's asynchronous, I, I have had quite a few students saying that they appreciate that. And, and they, they like to be able to pause and rewind and, and watch again. So for some learners, I, I think they, they do like the ability to be able to uh, review what I've said multiple times. So I, I think there, there's definitely a positive aspect that, that has come out of that. And, and like I said, I, I am hoping that the, that the lab kits have uh, turned out to be you know, a really big positive aspect for, for the course. Excellent. And you mentioned before that you were doing the asynchronous lectures before all of this happened. Do you think that kind of helped you transition fairly oh, seamlessly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, I, if I had not had the recorded content, I, I recorded this particular course in 2015. Uh, I started playing around with the online recording in 2013. And, and, and so in 2015, had I, like I, I spent a, a quite significant amount of time developing th those lectures and, and that enabled me to kind of take it to the next level. And, and the next level was uh, finding a way to be able to make the, the laboratories a little bit more personalized per student. And, and I, I would not have been able to do that if I was you know, trying to create the content for the lectures. So yeah, without a doubt, that, that was definitely a, a great benefit. I had actually, after teaching online in 2015, and, and then um, I think I did it another time. I can't remember, I'd have to go back and look. But I, I did actually go back to the face-to-face. -face. And be, because with online, I, I missed being able to connect with the students. And, and I, I was actually quite happy uh, in, in winter 2020 at the beginning, I was, I was really quite happy to be back in the classroom and engaging with the students. And, and, and the online was then just a supplement. It was something that they, they could use if they wanted. And, and, and they were. Um, and, and so I, I was actually quite happy with being back face to face. And, uh, but I mean, with, with COVID, it, it's a little bit of an easy transition to, to the online learning for me, unlike some, because some have, you know, have to put enormous amounts of time into the recording and, and everything else. And that, that is very challenging. Mm -hmm. So when, when COVID did happen, were you in the middle of teaching a class? Yeah, I, I, think that I was teaching the course that I'm teaching right now. And it, it, it was interesting because we had just finished the first term exam. Uh, well, it, maybe it was a week before, but I just returned the term exam to them. And, and then right after that, I, I think that was on the Thursday. And then on the Friday, the university, we kind of were told not to come in. And, and that was the last time that I saw those students. So yeah, it, uh, anyways, it, I, it, it, I, I think probably most professors missed the uh, ability to be able to just talk to the students directly and that, uh, you know, and, and you have groups of students who will come to you. And so anyway, that we, we will be back at some point, but uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And so what would you say would be your key takeaways from this experience as we move forward? 
key takeaways you mean in terms of teaching with with COVID? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would say it, it kind of provides greater appreciation for being in front of a, a, a real class and and the the opportunity that we have as instructors to try to kind of like ignite you know fires with our students to, to, to get them interested in in the material that, that we're teaching I, I think uh, that that to me is probably the the, the greatest takeaway is 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 missing the interaction. I mean, I always enjoyed it. I, I would come out of a class and, you know, sometimes you'd blow a class and, and you wouldn't feel very good. But other times, you know, if, if you really nailed it, you'd feel really almost like you just ran a marathon. And, and, and I don't quite get that as much anymore. You know, when you're doing a Zoom tutorial or something like that, uh, you can try to do things, but you see the look on their faces. And, and that, that's, that, that's critical. Uh, to, to monitor if they're, you know, following you or if they're disengaged mm -hmm. and being able to adapt. And, and, and you, you can't do that. So I, I think for me, uh, it, it kind of teaches me that, that that's one of the most powerful things that, that we have as, as professors and instructors. Absolutely. So um, is there anything else you want to share with us before we go? I, I can't think of anything. I, I think I've talked quite a bit at, uh, I, I just hope that you know everything uh, recovers uh, sooner than later, and I'm, I'm I'm certain that all of our students are are feeling the same way. Uh, but yeah, that that would be about the only comment that I'd have. But and I'd like to thank you for you know taking the opportunity to talk to me and uh, taking uh, out of your busy schedule. And I enjoy talking about my courses, so thank you very much for that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And thank you so much for taking the time. I'm, I know you're busy too. So thanks for taking the time to share your thoughts with us. Well, folks, that was my coffee chat with Ron Hugo. Thank you so much, Ron, for coming on the show. I appreciate you taking the time to share your insights with us. And thank you to you for listening. For more information on the project, visit the website at covidcoffeechats.ucalgaryblogs.ca. And if you'd like to connect with me, feel free to email me at maya.anderson at ucalgary.ca. Take care and see you next time.